0: is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand off the pitter hit the backfield and grill. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Right three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Knocks it, got it! Underdog, and they one! Exclamation point! Pop the brakes! Now, your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole stukin and sports director Caleb
1: Henry. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. We've got some things to talk about. It is a primetime game. It is a top ten team coming to Memorial. Getting a lot of national pub. ABC primetime crew. Nebraska's getting a little run. Uh, A little bit, yeah. And in addition to that, you're getting a little run for... Uh, you got Taste of the Town going to a friend of the shows. That's right. You got bussing with the Boys and Will Compton in town. Getting, okay. Getting Trev Trev in the suit and the bus just kills me. How cool is that with uh, Will Compton and getting,
2: getting the Boys, getting Scott Frost and Trev Alberts... Mm-hmm. Um, That looked like some of the most fun that Scott Frost has. And I think that's something that we all know is that Scott Frost does have a a tremendous personality, but Scott Frost the person does not always equal Scott Frost the coach, you know? And and that's the way for a lot of us is you are different when the lights come on. You're not the same person. You might be a little bit more reserved, and we know he's a lot more reserved um, at press conferences, on the sideline, he's got work to do. Mm-hmm. But when he's, he was there with, with Will yesterday, and I can't wait to see that vi- or, uh, that episode come out this next week, you could see he was having so much fun. And that's the part where I want to get with this Nebraska football program, is to where we are seeing Scott have fun week in and week out. Mm-hmm. Even even if you don't win the division or you don't win the conference, I want this program to be in a position where the coach can seem like he is really enjoying himself and loving being here. I think he does. I think he really enjoys being here. But right now it's it's a job. I want it to be fun for him too.
1: Well, I think we all would agree that uh, fun for Scott Frost would be more winning. I and, and in general, all of us, yeah. And and certainly they've 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 had fun this week on the heels of that Northwestern game
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and the game today. I mean, there there's, there's a scenario where you can, you can be pretty satisfied with the way you played, but still not come out on top. That would involve both teams playing at a pretty high level, but just Michigan, you know, ending up above them on the scoreboard. But there's a real, there, there, there's a real possibility that exists today that Nebraska beats a top-10 team at home in October. And that, <laughs> that's number, number be one, significant. Number one, Scott Frost has not defeated a ranked team, let well, alone a top-10 team at Nebraska. Well, here's the thing.
2: We need to go back 17 years. You're a few coaches away. Mm-hmm. Nebraska, hat tip to uh, John Bishop uh, with our friends at 1620. I don't know if you saw this stat. Nebraska has not won a night game in October as a single-digit dog since 2004.
1: Mm, Missouri. Missouri. That was pre-Brad Smith, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, because Brad Smith was a freshman in 2005 when they won that game. Yeah, well, we went back to what 2007 last week with the uh, last time Nebraska did whatever, whatever on offense, and that was the the Joe Gans, Bill Callahan mm-hmm. game against mm-hmm. K State. Look, there are there are some some good reasons to go back like that, and and hopefully Nebraska can can make that. Uh, hey, last time was in 2021 when Nebraska right. won against it, a single. So
2: dog. so the thing like the the reason that I don't that we bring that up is not to say. Well, things have not gone well for Nebraska. Um, by the way, it's just an October home game, not even a night game, just an October just home at game at home. yeah um, and the the reason we we bring that up is not to be like, "Well, look, look, Nebraska fans, you guys have been on the wrong end of this for <laughs> most of my life. And I guess if you go <laughs> seventeen years, it's more than half my life. Um, like we get that. What we're saying is at some point it's got to balance itself out with the law of averages, right? So with Scott Frost being on the wrong end of the um, single possession games of the one score games, very wrong end, yes. Um, with the way you've had, because I was asked this yesterday, I was talking with some Michigan folks, and they were asked, "What are the issues, especially in the one uh, one possession games that are lost?" I said, "Well, part of it, I think, was Scott Frost learning to be a power five coach. You can't get away with the same things in the Big Ten that you could get away with at UCF, um, especially late in games." Part of it was personnel. You you didn't have the skill positions to get some things done when you needed things done late in the game. Yep. But part of it, and this is the part that really stinks, and it's really hard to hone in on this. Part of it's luck. Now I I realize that it, it's the more prepared you are for a situation, seems like the luckier you'll be. You know, like like the more you put yourself in a good position, the more fortunate you'll be at the end. Mm-hmm. But it seems like no matter what, Nebraska's on the wrong end of wherever that luck meter is. And that does have to factor into part of this that the ball comes off of a punter's foot the wrong way, and maybe he's not missed that directional kick in the last month. Yeah. But he just happens to you right there under the lights at the exact wrong time. Part of it is a little bit of luck. Part of it's these guys learning to win and make that a habit again. But Nebraska is in a really good position going into tonight. How many 500 teams hosting a top 10 team, let alone that have a terrible loss to start the season to a team like Illinois, are a field goal difference in the odds right now? There is a really good there is a really good chance that something special happens tonight, mm-hmm. and I really want it to because I know. Cole, we get this a lot, that we're either way too negative or we're way too positive, and there's never anything in between. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you what. For the next 12 hours, until the clock's hit zero tonight, I'm going to be overly positive and overly high and drinking the Kool-Aid on this team, because I really feel like something special can happen tonight for the Nebraska football program.
1: There there were some other stats that came out this week that, we're kind of centered around defense that mm-hmm. were favorable to Nebraska. Nebraska is up there in terms of defensive stop rate in mm-hmm. the top 10, in terms of drives that end with uh, a punt or a turnover on downs or a straight up turnover. And Nebraska top 10 nationally in that category. Yep. And that includes facing two top 25 teams, two top 10 teams. Well, Michigan State's what, 11th? They're 11th. Right. Here's two the top 11 teams. Here's the that. thing with Michigan State if they are able to move into the top 10, that will
2: mean. On Nebraska's schedule, granted, when Nebraska played Michigan State, they weren't top 10. I don't look at that. I just, it did someone reach the top 10 at some point during Mm -hmm. the season. Iowa State's not a top 10 team right now, but they're going to count for Michigan as a top 10 win or for Iowa as a top 10 win. Right. Um, So, where are teams as the season progresses? At some point during the season, five of Nebraska's opponents are going to be ranked in the top 10 if Michigan State can get there. Mm -hmm. It's already been four of them.
1: Yeah, Ohio State, the other. the, the fourth that you haven't mentioned <laughs> right. there. Yeah, exactly. And the, obviously we knew that Nebraska's schedule coming into the season was difficult. And nobody picked Nebraska, well, a few people picked Nebraska to beat Oklahoma. A mm-hmm. uh, few people probably picked Nebraska to beat Michigan State. Right. And, and they were a handful of plays in both games, literally one play away in one of those games from winning it. And, and so it's not out of the realm of possibility that Nebraska's defense keeps Nebraska in this game deep into the fourth quarter. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Adrian Martinez connects on a few big plays. That has been a part of the offense. I think everybody is playing a little bit more confident in that regard because they've seen it done. They've done it themselves. Guys like Xavier Betts, Samari Toure, they have been big play guys in the pass game and in in the option game for that matter. And so both of those opportunities exist. It all goes back to the broken record for this season. Is Nebraska going to avoid punching themselves in the face? Mm-hmm. Is Nebraska going to avoid the? I mean, there's going to be little mistakes here and there across the board, unless right. you're, unless you're playing Northwestern, in which case there was literally no mistakes until you got to uh, one fourth down stop, and then you put second stream in. Second string in. There are going to be little little things here and there. Can you avoid the big ones? Can you avoid the shanking the ball off the side of your foot and getting it to a punt returner with nobody in front of him? Can you avoid? dropping the ball and fumbling it directly to the opponent and they run it in for a touchdown right before the half. Can you avoid getting blown off the ball on an extra point and having it blocked and having the other guy return it for two points in a three-point swing? If you can avoid the catastrophic mistakes like they, I mean, obviously did against Northwestern, but if you stay out of your own way, Mm -hmm. maybe Michigan makes that mistake. Look from the, from the perspective of the Wolverines, They just won a game as an underdog, for it was not not just underdog, maybe it was road underdog for the first time under Jim Harbaugh, right? And so they've just done something that Michigan fans have been clamoring for. You know, the players and the coaching staff knew that statistic as well, and they're finally they finally crossed that threshold. They're finally over that hump.
2: And I think that was the first time Michigan had won at Wisconsin in twenty years.
1: Right. They don't play every year, obviously, either now because they're in different divisions. But but still, for, yes. for it to be 20 years between something mm-hmm. happening, that's a big deal. And so you have those factors on the Michigan side. They're feeling themselves a little bit. They're pretty mm-hmm. excited about that victory. And they have to come on the road again. And they're going on the road to, oh, Nebraska, didn't they lose to Illinois week one? Ha ha ha. Look, those dynamics exist within a football team. Nebraska... Has not been able to handle success very well under Scott Frost. Mm-hmm. There's only been four instances in his tenure where Nebraska has won the game after a win. They've only had four two-game winning streaks. So it's not, it it's not an automatic that, well, Michigan's a a, a top ten team. They're they're going to find the way to win this game. I haven't decided which way I think this game's going to go. I know you made your pick yesterday. Drink the Kool Aid. Drink the Kool-Aid. Like you did against One Buffalo? of
2: us. <laughs> One of us. Hey, I'm, I'm
1: in a much different place
2: mentally uh, than I was going into yeah, that Buffalo game. You could okay? say that. <laughs> you could say that again. Okay, how could you... I get it. I get it. It's Buffalo. But how could you not at the time be like, man, lost to Illinois, took a little bit to get ahead of Fordham, not feel like something could go tragically wrong. I was... I was very much incorrect, and I feel really good about where things are now. Let me just ride this wave week to week.
1: That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I'm just going to give you crap like I'm sure Jack does every week, every, every single Friday or every day. <laughs> and so that dynamic exists on the Michigan side. Is 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 what I'm trying to say. Like Nebraska h- had a feel good win last week, and that you know hopefully they understand that that's that's not the team that they're playing here this week. I'm sure they don't think that. Michigan is is dealing with that dynamic in their own way as well, where they are trying to deal with success, something that hasn't happened for 20 years, winning at Wisconsin, something that happened, hasn't happened under Jim Harbaugh in terms of winning as a road underdog. Mm-hmm. So those dynamics are in play. Obviously, the schemes, the X's and O's, the the players on the field, they're going to have to decide this thing, but Nebraska matches up. Pretty well, I think. Nebraska's defense is going to keep them in this game. Michigan's got a pretty solid running game. Their running game is the only one in the Big Ten, I believe, that is over Nebraska in terms of yards per game. Yep, they are. They're number one and number two in the conference, and they're both top 15 nationally. So Nebraska's defense is a pretty solid run-stopping operation. That's a strength on strength. Michigan's defense may have the edge in terms of what their defensive front can do against a better last week but still inexperienced and yet to prove it against a top-ten team and a really good defense offensive line.
2: Right. Stop me if you've heard this before. This game will come down to Nebraska's offensive line's ability to not give up too much pressure, because we know they're going to give up some pressure, but not give up too much pressure and not just have... Mental costly mistakes and penalties over and over and over again. I yeah. think it's literally going to be how does Nebraska's offensive line play, which then dictates how well the offense can play. Because the defense, I think you're going to get pretty much a wash on the other side of the ball. Mm-hmm. What does Nebraska's offensive line do? I think that is the entire. That's the entire premise of tonight's
1: game. Yeah, uh, when you when you look at it, yeah, you, you may have a, a fairly even matchup on the other side of the ball. What does Nebraska do against Aiden Hutchinson? Yeah. Likely first round <laughs> pick. Um, Teddy Prohaska and and Turner Corcoran step right up, both technically true freshmen, and uh, Prohaska in his second start as a as a collegiate. So, those, hey, well, welcome to the Big Ten, boys. Yeah, the, the, those are the matchups to keep in mind. Uh, and and like I said, Michigan's run game that's that's what Nebraska's got to stop. You would think that they've got the tools to be able to potentially stop that. Uh, it's just a matter of getting it done at this point. So uh, we are going to take, take a quick, a quick break. break. Sure what That is. is there an echo? We're going yeah, I, I, I,
0: yeah. to hang out with us. Up,
1: we'll fix that. Parker Gabriel is coming up from the Lincoln Journal star. Uh, we're going to touch on the volleyball. They got a big win last night at Penn State. Take that Russ Rose in your giant notebook. Nebraska is 5-0 and all alone atop the Big Ten. Uh, we're going to get to a little bit more of this matchup with Nebraska and Michigan. What else can you watch for? Where will this game be won and lost? That's all coming up uh, in just a minute here uh, on the KLIN Husker Hour. Stick with us.
0: Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio,
1: 1499.3 KLIN rolling along here on your Saturday morning getting you ready for a big night here in Lincoln 6:30 kickoff, 2:30 pregame right here on KLIN. Well, it'll actually be 6:40, but who's counting? It's still 6 uh 2:30 still 2:30 pregame, 30 pregame starts, but, yeah. but yeah. Yes. And uh yeah, it's it's going to be another night game. In Lincoln, but the opponent will be a little bit different if we're being honest with ourselves here uh, and here to join us to discuss such things is Parker Gabriel from the Lincoln Journal Star uh, covers the Huskers over there. Parker, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. We're, uh, we're getting ready to discuss uh, some more about this game. And uh, look, we all know that Northwestern and Michigan are very different teams in terms of what Nebraska is going to be seeing uh, between week to week. What do you think? Maybe a position, position group side of the ball, whatever. What do you think is the biggest difference between Northwestern and Michigan?
3: Yeah, I think probably the starting point is is the defensive line and, and the front seven. Maybe more generally, I just think Nebraska, you know, played well up front and was able to run the ball really effectively. Obviously, last week, four hundred twenty-seven yards, seven rushing touchdowns. That's a pretty good day at the office. Um, it won't be quite as easy there'll be a little more resistance this week i think um and it's not just aiden hutchinson um that uh, michigan's got good players at all three levels of its defense really with josh ross their inside linebackers playing really well uh dax hill is a safety sort of like a hybrid type can do a lot of different things they've got a lot of speed uh east west stuff is going to be you know much tougher going for for nebraska might be able to line it up and and run it right at him a little bit, but that's not an easy task either. Um, so I would say I would say in general, it's, it's the defensive front and just the uh, the resistance that that Nebraska didn't really face last week against Northwestern. That'll be a lot different tonight.
2: Parker didn't really come up this week, but uh, no lupus for Adrian Martinez. He's good to go, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, I think probably <laughs> the same on the leprosy front. Um, so and all of the other things. So it sounds like. Uh, he's, he's cleared of, of all those things and ready to go. It's interesting though, because, you know, Scott, after the game, um, last week said to, to BTN, he said, if people knew what Adrian was going through, they'd admire him even more. We tried to ask him simple, tried to ask him on Monday about his jaw. And it was, it was interesting. He was out in the hallway and Adrian, he put his hands out. He was like, Nope, Nope. (laughs) I'm fine. I don't want to talk about that. I'm fine. I'm all good. So, um, he's clearly, he clearly was hurt in some way. When he took that shot to the jaw against Michigan State, um, had some like rubber bands or something in mm-hmm. his mouth last week during the game. But he's playing fine. He can obviously communicate. He's t- you know he's he's talking with us twice a week basically Mondays right. and after games. And so um, yeah, they're, they're overall they're in a really good spot health wise, and they've got a pretty tough kid play quarterback for
2: him. All right. So from the current quarterback to one that transferred out in Noah Vedral and Rutgers, what can what can this Nebraska coaching staff and these players take looking at this game from, from kind of the way that, that Rutgers has played well this year, especially thinking about the way they, they've been right in there against some big teams? How, how can that translate for Nebraska being a home dog to a top-10 team?
3: Yeah, you know, Rutgers Rutgers had every chance to beat Michigan in the second half a couple weeks ago, but it's interesting because Michigan was up 20-3 in the first half. I mean, they dominated early in that game. And then Rutgers held Michigan without a first down in the second half. So, you know, if Nebraska wants to repeat the Michigan state (laughs) performance from a couple weeks ago and, and, and give up zero first downs over 30 minutes, I'm sure that that would, that would increase their likelihood of winning the game. Mm -hmm. But in general, you know, that quarterback insert, you know, using the quarterback in the run game, it's, it's, it's hard to defend uh, no matter who you are. Um, It's interesting. I was reading, I was reading the other day, Mike McDonald, the uh, the defensive coordinator at Michigan, you know, he was an assistant with the Baltimore Ravens and John Harbaugh mm-hmm. knows a little bit about running quarterbacks with Lamar Jackson there. So it's not, I mean, they understand schematically how to handle it. But, you know, Adrian Martinez is a really good athlete and the option stuff, I think, you know, they're going to – let's just say the option stuff. I mean, they run – zone read and the ride stuff and RPO and all that every week. Um, So it, there's just a lot of stuff to defend, including some of the triple option principles. um, And and we'll see how Michigan handles it. But Certainly uh, Rutgers had a little bit of success in the run game, especially with Noah Bedrill. Um, And so you'd think that Nebraska will try to replicate some of that because it's what they do every week. Mm
1: -hmm. Parker Gabriel from the Lincoln Journal star join us here on the KLI and Husker hour. Let's, Uh, stay on that side of the ball or that matchup, if you will, Michigan defense, Husker offense. The offense has improved over the course of this year, PG, but what do you feel has been the biggest factor in that improvement? Is it Travis Vokalek getting those two tight end looks or just getting him back? Is it all wide receivers being available? Is it the offensive line changes from last week or is it maybe a scheme change? What do you feel is the most impactful change that the offense has done?
3: Yeah, I think obviously they got a spark from the offensive line change. Uh, last week and and the pressure rate was way down now some of that's because they ran the ball really well and 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 northwestern just didn't have the horses to really you know provide a lot of pressure um i think the biggest difference i wrote about this for in today's journal star actually i think the biggest difference is the ability to push the ball down the field they're just creating a lot more big plays uh than they did last year or frankly than they did the last couple of years that you know that. They've had they lead the country uh, with four plays of seventy plus yards. Uh, they're tied for the lead nationally in both sixty plus and fifty plus plays. Uh, now they've got one extra game on the ledger compared to most, but even still, I mean, if you go by on a per game basis, they're right at the top, you know, in in those types of plays. And so, you know, when you when you have a play of let's say let's just take thirty plus yards, I mean, they're they're scoring on touchdowns on 60 percent of their possessions when they have a play of 30 plus on the drive and 30 percent uh when they don't and so the more of those you create the better your scoring chances are obviously they still i think have given up some chances after a big play that they'd like to have back they've gotten zero or three on a drive with a 30 plus play in each of the three games they've lost by one score this year so there's always room for improvement on that, but it's not rocket science to say, hey, if you rip off 30 or 40 yards in one play, you've got a much better chance of scoring. And Nebraska's done that at I mean it's it's almost an incomparable. I mean, they've done that at at just a com- completely different level than they did last year, and I think that's part of why the offense feels more dangerous in in 2021.
1: Uh let's look over on the other side of the football now with Michigan's offense and the blackshirts. Kate McNamara is the QB for Michigan. What are his strengths and how do the blackshirts match up with him?
3: Well, he's I mean, he's a tough guy. You know, I mean he he's he'll stand in there and, and he can he's not a runner, but you know, Eric Shenander said this week, he can when he has to, he can get out a little bit and, and make a play with his legs. He's a little bit like uh Peyton Thorne, the Michigan State quarterback. Uh he hasn't been Put, I mean, one of the things that Michigan's done really well this year is they haven't put him in many tough situations. They've trailed for zero minutes so far through five games. And he's only thrown the ball – I mean, Michigan's only thrown the ball 95 times through five games. So you're talking about, you know, less than 20 attempts per game. Uh, they So they've really kept him out of harm's way for the most part. And I think, you know, to, to me, honestly, like Michigan to me looks like – Michigan State offensively with a better offensive line. So I'm not sure if Blake Corum is the exact equal of Kenneth Walker, but they're they're both good backs. Um, they have – Michigan State's receivers are probably a little bit better. We'll see where Michigan is health-wise today on that front. Um, but it's I think they're similar offensively. And I think the quarterbacks compare a little bit. So, you know, Nebraska made Peyton Thorne work in a way that he probably hadn't seen so far in the season – I think it'll be the same situation with Kay McNamara. Now that's not to say that the kid can't rise to the occasion, but he won't have played in an environment like what Memorial stadium is going to be tonight. And he probably hasn't played against a defense that Wisconsin's defense is tough, but I I don't, I would say coverage wise down the field, uh, Nebraska's secondary probably feels like it stacks up at least with Wisconsin's maybe it's a little bit better. And so I think it'll be the biggest challenge of the year. Uh, for Cade McNamara, just when you take environment and defense combined, and uh, we'll see if if Nebraska can, can force them into some mistakes.
2: Now, this has looked like more of a down Wisconsin team than I think some people were expecting at the beginning of the year, but Michigan was at Camp Randall a week ago, but that game was effectively over in the third quarter. Michigan guys took over jump around between the third and fourth quarters. How much can the crowd tonight at Memorial Stadium affect this game, especially if it's close going into the fourth?
3: Yeah. I mean, it can, for sure. It's a, it's a, it's going to be super loud. You know, you want, you want Michigan to have to be operating offensively in a, you know, sort of got to have it type situations uh, late in the game when that, when the crowd is, is, is really hot. Um, You know, and they, they, they've just kept themselves out. Like I think the biggest credit to Michigan so far this year is they've just entirely kept themselves out of those situations. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that Wisconsin deep, like last week, Michigan had 15 first downs and they averaged 2.4 yards mm-hmm. per carry rushing the ball. And yet, you know, 365 yards on offense. Like, that's a fine day at <laughs> the office, but that doesn't always translate to 38 points and a, and a you know, empty the benches type situation. But the forced three turnovers. Uh, they controlled the clock, controlled the ball, took advantage of an offense that is playing really poorly so far this year, but they've just found ways. To put themselves in situations where they've been in control of every game that they've played. Almost got away from them against Rutgers, but it didn't. And besides that, they really have just been in control. So if they, the key for Nebraska is to try to get, you know, wrestle control of the game away from Michigan some point in the middle of the game and then try to ride that defense and, and ride the crowd through the, the late stages.
2: Now, I've got to ask just because he. He came back to practice this week, Thomas Fedoni. We're not going to see him today. I don't think we'll see him um, realistically until after the first bye week, and then you've got four four games left. What What have you been hearing on, on Fedoni and, and when he might come back and where he'll fit in with this completely revamped tight end room since he went down?
3: Yeah, so that's the interesting thing. I mean, I don't – you know, he's, he's a very talented player, obviously. He's got a really bright future. I'm not sure – I mean, that – the key, if they're going to get him in in four games, and we'll see about that. I mean, he's got up to four. Maybe it'll be two or three. Right. Um, the I, I'm not sure exactly what his role is going to be now. He's he's a talented pass catcher. I'm sure they'll find something for him. They'd like it if you know if they could find some light game situations that maybe weren't you know so much pressure or or whatever, just to try to work him in and see him in a couple different areas. But yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't think they're like Austin Allen and Travis Wilke, like, are not going to come off the field much at this point probably. So it's going to be very interesting. I mean, he's, he's recovered fast. He's just five months off the uh, five and a half months off the ACL injury. Um, but you know, kids, they, they recover really fast. They've gotten better and better at, at those types of, of surgeries too. And so it's going to be really interesting. I think you're exactly right on the timeline. I mean, if you take this week uh, practice, next week practice by week, and then the prep, you know, into the Purdue week that you got four weeks of practice to sort of figure out how healthy are you, knock some of the rust off, maybe think about a role and then see what happens, um, you know, Purdue, Ohio State, bye week. Um, It's a nice part of the calendar to try to get a guy like that back into action a little bit and and, uh, we'll see how much playing time they can find him down the stretch. All right,
1: we'll we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, This has been the hot topic all week, obviously are they going to stick with Thunderstruck between the third and fourth quarter? Or do you think they're going to switch it up?
3: What do you think? I seem like it worked last week. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't, uh you know, like when, when Scott Frost said they were, they were going to do the same unity walk and, and all of that. Like they, they introduced some new things last week and won 56 to seven. And whether you say you're superstitious or not, when it goes like that, a lot of times you just sort of, let's just see about doing the same thing next week. And, and, you know, then, Whatever, if it, if it doesn't go so well, you can think about changing down the way, but I would think it would be Thunderstruck.
1: Certainly fortuitous that they have another night game and another chance to bring out the fire and the lights and all that good stuff. Hey, if there's a big play right at the end of the quarter, you got to do just like they do at PBA. You go into the timeout, DMX.
2: blast some blast sandstorm. Oh, sand? okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I I prefer to, to uh, get up in here, up in here. Okay. That, to each their I'm own. I'm
3: guessing the music is going to be loud and the crowd is going to be
1: loud. Yeah. It's going yeah. to be a fun, fun environment. That is a safe bet. Whether it's uh, <laughs> Nebraska or Michigan on the three and a half, that's a different bet that you that you have to consider. <laughs> Parker Gabriel, <laughs> Lincoln Journal Star. Uh, thanks a lot. We'll see you up in the press box. Oh, uh, see you guys. All right, good stuff there. I can't believe the, di- the he mentioned the the big change in the offense. I can't believe the difference in in the the big plays from last year or lack thereof, uh-huh. and what it is this year. Like that that difference is is obviously an important part of what right. the offense has been able to do. But it's so. F- Nobody saw that coming like they couldn't figure it out. And nobody figured nobody. I mean, we just we were just like, yeah, they're probably not going to be able to do that now.
2: Well, it's what we thought you were going to be able to see last year when you brought in um, Omar Manning and you brought in Xavier Betts. And it was like, oh, and you still had Wandale Robinson Um, last year. You were supposed to get parts of this offense, but you didn't get any of it. Yeah. And this year you get some of it. The the correlation I made between whether or not they have a, a play of 30 yards or more on a possession and how that correlates to scoring was, think about last year, if they had a penalty or a negative play oh, on yeah. any part of the possession, it absolutely killed the drive. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the the inverse of that is, as long as you get a decent play, the penalties don't really matter and the negative
1: plays haven't really mattered. Right. Well, what's more is the fact that they have the big playability, it's, some, it's at times erased the issues that they have (laughs) with those negative plays, they're still able to overcome them on those series and keep the drives going. Um, one other aspect of the offense that I didn't think to ask, uh, but should actually be considered as to why they're clicking. Uh, I'll get to that. And then uh, we've got some Big Ten basketball media days. Yeah, A little, little bit of stuff about that, what we can expect from the, the men's and women's hoopers. Uh, and then obviously uh, our predictions. Caleb's, if you missed his yesterday, we'll do that again. And, and we got to hit volleyball. I will figure out mine, yes. They beat Penn volleyball. State. Yep, we're definitely going to hit on the <laughs> 3-1 win over the Nittany Lions and Russ Rose. Take that. All right, coming up. Stick with us.
0: Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499-3-KLIN.
1: thanks to Parker Gabriel, who just joined us in our last segment. If you missed him or any of our other shenanigans here on this fine program, you can always head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com. You can head over to the Facebook page anytime or right now at KLIN Huskers. And you can see us live stream for the world. Thanks to Kenny Larrabee, as always, uh, for getting that cooking. Uh, we talked. And about, if
2: you've ever got questions on anything, I mean, we've got twenty minutes left. Hit up that Facebook page. Yeah, just comment right there, or uh, you can send us a text on the Rick Sign Recognition Hotline four zero two four seven nine fourteen hundred. You're telling my grandma to, to tell us to talk about volleyball right now, aren't you? Only if she texts in. <laughs> we will put it off until she texts in. Well,
1: <laughs> she can text in, or she can hit the Facebook live. I, I'm pretty sure she's watching. So the The thing that I didn't ask Parker about that i that I'm kind of mad about uh, I asked him about which factor is is has led to the 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 offense figuring it out. I didn't say anything about the running backs, and they've kind of evolved from the beginning of the game or beginning of the season to where they are now they've kind of figured stuff out a little bit and we we talked last week about the special teams whack-a-mole and and how terrifying that's been of Mm -hmm. of an experience trying to fix this problem. And then this problem pops up. And then another problem pops up that you had no idea was even a problem. What I thought about it this way after each of the first six games, think about who everybody thought was going to be the guy in the backfield that this staff has said they want to have one dude Mm -hmm. be the guy uh, and my and yes, hi Grandma. She says yes, I'm watching. <laughs> um, so after Illinois, I think the consensus was okay. Nobody's good. This team's terrible. What are we even doing here? There was no running back consensus there. After the Fordham game, I think everybody was on Marquis Step, and rightfully so. He Correct. had a nice game. Went over 100 yards. Over 100 yards. Uh, Buffalo. Gabe Irvin. Mm-hmm. He came out and and he's okay. This is what everybody was talking about in the in the off season. He's a true freshman. He's taking this thing over. He started the Illinois game. I mean, yeah. Uh, so there was that. After the Oklahoma game, everybody thought Ramir Johnson, maybe. Yeah. I mean, Gabe Irvin was injured in that game, and he's out now. But Ramir came out of nowhere. Then after the Michigan State game, I was like, yeah, definitely Ramir, because he was the guy, and he was the main dude getting the, getting the carries. And now after Northwestern, everybody's like, is it Jacques Yant? <laughs> after seeing that big boy rumble through, and now he's getting his stamina back up and, and he got his weight under control. Like, Ramir has 11-plus carries over the last three games now. So I think he's going to be involved regardless. Mm-hmm. They, they feel like he's got a, fan, a handle on the offense. Uh, I feel like he's got a pretty good shot to to do pretty good pass blocking, and that's been a problem for other folks. Uh, Savion Morrison's got a handful of touchdowns this year too. He's never been involved in this. Hey, he's the guy, mm-hmm. but he's he's capable. Uh, I just feel Marvin like Marvin Scott the third. Marvin Scott, yeah, Marvin <laughs> Scott. People <laughs> thought at the end of last year that maybe he would be the guy at times. So they've got a ton of dudes in the backfield, and. I don't know, maybe, Come out and
2: wishbone, you cowards. Maybe
1: they've figured something out a little bit with getting Ramir and Yant now, mm-hmm. um, and you can mix in Step or Morrison or Marvin Scott even if, if you want, but that's been a factor. I think that's been uh, part of why this offense has started to click. It's because, all, I mean, really all of it, but you're getting everybody healthy at mm-hmm. tight end and wide receiver. Yeah. You're getting your offensive line figured out, you hope. You push some buttons, and it seemed to work last week. I'm, I'm sure they're going to get another shot tonight. Uh, yeah, in, in I don't of
2: anticipate changes Teddy from last week to this week. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but the running backs, I feel like that could be something that gives them some stability at that position. Martinez knows that he can count on somebody to block him uh, to to block dudes when they're blitzing, mm-hmm. and you can feel fairly confident that you're going to get yards on the ground. And that's this team has had to rely on Adrian early in the season, and now they're started to figure out how to run the ball with the run game, and you hope you can do it against a pretty tough Michigan front tonight.
2: Right. that was To me, that was the biggest loss for the offense Gabe Irvin's pass blocking and the ability to pick up blitzes. Mm. Um, and now that you bring Yant back, I still – and you've got the depth chart in front of me, and I can't even remember what it says, but I would go – They
1: did change it a little bit. I
2: would go Ramir Johnson, Jack Yant, uh, Marquis Stepp.
1: Which is how they have it, but they have a bunch of ores, of course. Well, I, I've, I've, whatever. They go the Ramirez, Yant, Step, and Savion.
2: Okay, yeah, and that—that's pretty much the order I would go with them mm. right now. Is can you get Ramirez into some space? Um, Yant, if you maybe want a little bulkier guy, mm. and then Step, you know, can come in and just be a bowling ball. I want—I still want Step to get five, six carries a game. If this is the order that they're going with, yeah. and that's the hierarchy. I want Step to get five, six carries because what do you do with that is the other running backs, they can catch their breath a little bit. The defense is still having a train run at them, so there's no let-up there. Um, and then, can you filter in, do, does uh, Marvin Scott get a little bit of time? Does Morrison get a little bit of time? Um, but I really think it is, uh, it, it's Ramir and Yant right now, and it is it's their job, but... What did we hear from the coaching staff this week? It depends on the game plan. Right. Because what do we see? Yant got to the outside a little bit, but what does he look like? He's a between-the-tackles dude. Yes. Ramir Johnson, he ran between the tackles a little bit, but he's a guy who wants to get into some space. And you can get him involved in the pass game, too. Right. So there, there are some different things. that We know Marquis Stepp can catch the ball, mm-hmm. um, and you want to see him run a little bit more between the tackles. Right. So what you're seeing with all of these guys is they can do each of the jobs, But there's more of a specific job they're really good at. Like, if you're running between the tackles, pretty much anywhere on the field, Yant. If you want to get to the ball to the outside, Johnson. If it's a super short yard situation or goal line, well, you're probably... I would love to see Step come in in that situation. Like, there's different roles that these guys are kind of working out right now. But what does the game plan determine for them? Last week it worked out that Yant was getting a bunch of carries and he goes over 100 yards, and uh, Ramir, I think, got over 80 yards. He was over
1: 70 for yeah, sure. So
2: yeah, so you almost had 200-yard rushers in a game, which is not typical of the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, man, it's it's the, the running back room roulette. Who's going to be the guy who gets things kind of game-planned for him a little bit? And then who does the game come to mm-hmm. a little bit as well? Because we've seen um, someone go out and, and get the start and then maybe not touch the ball at all in the second half just because of the way the game flow went. Yeah. You see that with, with uh, wide receivers as well. It's just the way that the game ends up going. It's nice to have all of these guys to talk about, though. Think about a year ago, it was, oh, Dedrick Mills is hurt. Wandale Robinson's running between the tackles. Like It's nice to have these guys that you can talk about as, well, even if no one's taking the lead job, your floor is a lot higher than it's been.
1: Yeah, and, and you, you brought up the game plan aspect of and maybe it is part of what they're doing is they're they're figuring out which guy they want to play just from a depth standpoint it's hard to keep all those guys uh, happy right like you can't give everybody as many carries as they want but if you can tailor your season in such a way that each guy gets a a lot of run in a particular game Mm -hmm. and they get to be the man for that game then maybe you can feed all those hungry mouths and, and keep everybody on the roster because, as we all know, there is always attrition in college football. You're going to have guys go down. We've already seen it with the running backs and Gabe Irvin. He's, he's out for the year. Mm-hmm. And so having everybody have their time to shine is a creative way to keep everybody available uh, and keep everybody on the roster ideally for next year so that you can still have all these options and you can tailor different game plans and bring in different guys if you know somebody's got a hot hand or if somebody's suffering through a, a tough week of practice and you don't feel like they deserve to play, uh, maybe you give it to somebody else and you have that luxury if you have talent stockpiled at that particular position because if you don't have the one guy like the Divino Zigbo season in 2018 or the Dedrick Mills season in 2019 once he mm-hmm. came on, if you don't have that scenario, you've got you've to have pretty good depth. Otherwise, you are backed into a corner, and you have to do something like playing your really good four-star wide receiver between the tackles and, and having him <laughs> transfer out and, and do pretty good things for Kentucky. Uh, and that's not an ideal situation. Uh, another interesting part of this, you said the two guys, Ramir Johnson and, and Jacquez Yant, who I would have totally agree with at this point. I've got my like unofficial like just-keeping-track depth chart from the beginning of the year. Yeah. You want to know what the order was? Marquis Step, Savion Morrison, Gabe Irvin, which I probably should have flipped those two, then Marvin Scott, mm-hmm. then Jacquez Yant, and then Ramir Johnson. Mm-hmm. The, guys, the guys at the bottom are the guys at the top now, right. which of course they are. But it just it just goes to show you that it has taken a little bit for this offense to evolve. Uh, the big plays have certainly been a part of it as PG detailed. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got all of their weapons available except for the Gabe Irvin injury. They've got Travis Vokalek healthy. Uh they've got Omar Manning hopefully fully available and Xavier Betts fully available. Those guys have missed time for various reasons as well. Uh Oliver Martin revenge game tonight. I think he's so he got his He's got two chances for revenge games against top ten teams this I know year. I love it. So he
2: got his uh <laughs> his, his his feet wet a little bit coming back last week on punt return. Loved it the, too. So where, where do catch you catch that sucker yeah, every so time. So where do you go from there? That got him on the field. It, it got him back into the game atmosphere a little bit. Mm-hmm. Can you take another step this week and say, all right, maybe try to make a play if you've got some space on the punt return? Um, Or does he see more time on the offense? Because in his absence, what did we see? Martinez is still throwing the ball around to 8 to 10-plus guys during the game. That's insane to have that many guys that you can trust to throw the ball to, um, which feels really good. And then you add another playmaker out there. Um, what does Oliver Martin look like if he comes in motion and gets in on the uh the option game? Like there's so many things to to feel really good about tonight. So yeah, the between between him and, and like I said on the running backs, the floor is higher. Yes. That's why it's not entirely surprising that the guys at the bottom are now the guys at the top. The floor is higher. Maybe the ceiling's not where you want it to be yet, but you know what you can fall down to. Right. And it's a lot better spot than it's been.
1: Yeah, if you have a baseline of expectation where you know you're at least going to be then that's a better place to be, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and, and certainly a better position to be in uh, facing a top-ten team coming in tonight. All right. Again, 6.30, 6.40, kickoff. Hey! Uh, and 2.30 pregame right here on KLIN, so stick with us uh, throughout the afternoon and into the evening. Turn down that TV and turn up your radio, uh, even though I do like the broadcast crew on ABC, Todd Blackledge uh, and Sean McDonough. Yeah, they're, they're good, but uh, we like Greg and Matt. Yeah, obviously. Turn, turn it to KLIN. All right. <laughs> volleyball Is next. Yes. Sweeping, not sweeping. 3 1 over Penn State. Almost sweet. That second set was close. Uh, And and atop the Big Ten all by themselves? What? After all the issues early? Yeah, they're coming. Uh, John Cook's pretty good at this. All right, more to come here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker
0: Hour on 1499.3 KLIN.
1: Husker volleyball with a big win last night. Uh, yeah. You know, John Cook always loves getting Russ Rose. That was a 3-1 win for Nebraska. And they're, they're, they're starting to figure some stuff out with all of the freshmen. Uh, they're getting Stiverens back in, uh, obviously, uh, after she returned last weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, starting to, uh, they're starting to cook a little bit, and they're starting to, to get their legs underneath them after that three-game losing streak that knocked them a little bit back. Uh, they're they're alone atop the Big Ten already. Right, and here here's the thing. There, he, here's where
2: you started to maybe question uh, Cook a little bit. I mean, it was like, okay, just just get Lexi Sun out there more. Get try try and just get your hammers out there more. Like the the freshmen are figuring it out, but why can't this team figure it out? Why is it Nicklin Hames setting as well as we know she can? Well, first of all, that three game stretch is against three incredibly talented teams. Yeah. Okay. So you've got that. This team is going and challenging themselves in the non-conference. And it was a skid while you had freshmen at times being freshmen. You had um, the chemistry issues because you've got new lineups going on. And you got in the Big Ten, and the conversation was through those first couple of matches, well, Lexi's son's not starting. She's coming off the bench and looking pretty good when she comes off the bench. Um, and you still didn't have Stiverance. And all of a sudden, Stiverance comes back, mm-hmm. and Nicklin Hames is setting better, and the freshmen are going off at times. Um, and last night you had Ani Evans serving for the win and <laughs> looking really good. Shout out Waverly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Things are looking really good at the right time. And it's like, that's what Cook was saying all along was you're just getting ready for the Big Ten schedule. And right now, Nebraska is the only undefeated team in the Big Ten, alone at the top, 5-0. and This is a really tough league. Nebraska is not at the top of the AVCA ranking. They're not the top uh, Big Ten team. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're looking at that, it's like this team is playing right at the right time to go win a Big Ten championship and put themselves in a good position for the NCAA tournament. They use that non-conference to figure a few things out. And don't get me wrong, they're still going to figure some things out as time goes on with this conference schedule. But having Lawrence difference back, that makes a big difference. And getting those freshmen all of that experience in the non-con, that's making a big difference. That's That's already starting to pay dividends.
1: Yeah, 100%. Maddie Kubik, she had 19 kills, 12 digs. That was a season high of kills. Battenhorst had a season high of 15 kills. Uh, Stiverns hit four sixty-seven again. Ho-hum. And uh, Akana with uh, four aces, the most that she's had this season as well. So uh, 244 for Nebraska, 176 for Penn State. Uh, And Penn State was one of the best... Was not one of the
2: best. They were the top Big Ten team in terms of blocks. Yeah, they they And, and Nebraska was able to to hit around that. And at times, um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm forgetting uh, who I saw do it. It was one of the freshmen. And I'm trying to remember all of their names off the top of my head like you can everyone else right now. Um, but hit over the top. Lindsey Krause hit over Krause, the yeah. top of a block, mm-hmm. just jumped over it. I'm like, "Okay. Well, that that's pretty good for an 18-year-old. And not just any block, Penn State." Yeah, Penn State's block. Yeah. Um and how how's
1: about this Nicklin Haines her 100th career match. There you go. 100th career match. It's a nice little uh, mid-season acquisition for the Huskers there. She can still come back next year. Oh, don't 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 tease the, the volleyball <laughs> folks. Don't tease them. That's uh hey, you you could have You could have a really, really interesting uh, scenario if you go through all of the different players who could come back again. Right. You look at the volleyball, you look at the football team. Like, Mm -hmm. there's, it's going to be a wild time for roster management for a lot of college coaches. Uh, Next up for volleyball,
2: tomorrow at noon at Rutgers. That'll be over on B1073. And then on Wednesday, 8 p.m., that will be here on KLIN hosting Indiana.
1: Very good. That's volleyball wrapping up the show right after this here on the KLIN Husker Hour.
0: Stay, stay.
1: Bye. giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week this is the KLIN
0: Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio 1499.3
1: KLIN in case you missed it uh, just yesterday and uh, the day before Thursday, Friday, Big Ten Media Days for basketball out in Indianapolis uh, Fred Hoiberg joined by Trey McGowans no surprise there mm-hmm. and a little maybe a little bit of surprise to some as the second guy who joined him Alonzo verge the transfer from Arizona State but hey he, I'm he's sure gonna be good consensus uh, is that he's gonna be one of your five starters to start the year
2: yeah he he's going to be good now Nebraska picked to uh finish eleventh, 11th? 11th yeah 11th in the league um and we did our uh, our poll of the day earlier this week and um I want to get your thoughts just real quick here where do you think Nebraska will finish in this league I put the over, under at eight and a half. And I think Nebraska can, can finish better than that. I think Nebraska can finish top eight in the
1: league, top half in the league. My my it, my first instinct when you asked that before you said the eight and a half was either seven or eight. So right. I think I would take the over on it. Right, but the thing is we have to see
2: it. Like yeah. I, I understand why Nebraska's picked to finish 11th. They were picked 13th a year ago. They finished 14th. That's dead last. Mm. But you've got a lot of talent. You've got returning talent in the right places. Um, one of the guys that would have been Fighting to be a starter versus first guy off the bench, Delano Banton has a Raptors contract and looked good through the preseason. Yeah, looked good in summer league. So the Hoiberg is pumping out talent, and you've got all this talent here. And I cannot wait to watch more of Kisei mm. uh First of all, uh, but when you add in Bryce McGowan's, you add in all of the other size, and you have the guys that return. You get the you get Verge coming in. You get Wilcher coming in. Yeah, this just feels like a team that's going to. Maybe lose a couple games that they shouldn't, like they just won't shoot well. Yeah, but they'll beat a top five team by like fifteen at some point because they won't miss.
1: Right, and (laughs) and also a couple things they've got returning guys, but they've got returning leadership, which is important. I think in the right places with Trey McGowan's and Derek Walker and and even Kobe Webster, who may not be in the top eight guys in terms of guys who play a lot of minutes. Um, And then secondly, uh, props to Kevin Warren. Uh, I know, I know, but credit where it's due. He put the men's and women's media days together, same day, same venue, alternated between them. It created a lot more exposure for the women's I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that a lot. Amy Williams took Izzy Bourne and Sam Habey, by the way, uh, out there to Indy with her. All right. Uh, It is a big night tonight, 2.30 pregame right here on KLIN, 6.30 kickoff. Turn down the TV, turn up your radio, and uh, hopefully Nebraska goes out and get a big win. I'm picking Nebraska. I'm drinking your Kool-Aid. Yeah, you better. All right, get your shot. Go Big Red.